I look to my left in the lipstick aisle and I see a lipstick. Like my eyes land on this and I go, perfect. And I pick up the lipstick and it has a little number on the bottom of it. The numbers all correspond with little names. So I flipped up the tab and the name of the lipstick was Comedian. Really? Yes. That's crazy. So for all the guys that heard that, it's just like when you try to find a filter at Napa and you flip the frame <laughs> chart up and it tells you the, the make and model of the car. <laughs> Do they make a car filter called Comedian? I think the car, I think it has no filter. It has. And it's called Comedian. It's called. <laughs> Welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by SchoolofLaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show. Welcome to the podcast. Rick Roberts here this week, sponsored by Patreon member Jeff Roberts. Hey, that name rings a bell. Thanks, brother. If you'd like to learn how you could be a sponsor of the podcast with a small monthly donation, just check out schooloflaughs.com forward slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And if you are a Patreon sponsor at the $7 a month or higher level, don't forget this Saturday, September 17th from 1 to 2 Central Standard Time, CST, We'll be having our Google Hangout. Our Google Hangout is a time for me to kind of pay back the sponsors that help the podcast keep rolling. We get on a Google Hangout conference call and go over not only what's going on in our own shows and how we're doing out there on the road, but also what we do through Club 52, which is a 52-week email. I guess you would call it a mini course in a way, but it's 52 short-to-the-point email challenges for the aspiring comedian and even the established comedian to kind of get their branding on track get their uh, marketing on track, social media on track, and all those great things that go along with being funny. So don't forget that if you're a sponsor at the 7 buck a month level or higher, that's going to be September 17th, this Saturday from 1 to 2 Central Standard Time. Hey, real quickly, a couple things before we jump into the interview with Sandy Joy Chadwick, which I know you're going to enjoy because not only is she funny and interesting, she's got a great laugh and I uh, had a good time talking to her. A couple quick things. If you're in the Nashville area and you want to take the business of comedy class, it is also this weekend, Sunday, September 18th from 1 to 4 p.m., and that's right here at the headquarters of the School of Laughs in beautiful Hermitage, Tennessee, right by Old Hickory Lake and right by the Old Hermitage Mansion. So if you want to be involved with that, we're going to cover everything about becoming a stand-up comedian, what comedians earn, how long it takes them to earn it, what qualities they have that help them earn that cash, and also what qualities comedians have that hold them back from ever making money from comedy. We'll talk very specifically about niche markets, college, cruise ships, churches, corporate. We'll also talk about uh, you know, how to market and brand yourself, what you need to spend money on now, what you can wait, and all those great things. So that's not online. It's an in-person class. So if you're in the Nashville, Tennessee area, again, Sunday, September 18th, 1 to 4 p.m. Hey, that's all for the announcements right now. There's some great stuff I want to tell you about at the end of the podcast. But right now, let's get right into this fun interview with Sandy Joy Chadwick, who I met a couple of years ago through the Christian Comedy Association and I've kind of kept tabs on her. She's constantly writing, constantly working on getting her act together. And she's been full time for just under two years. So a really good insight and look in to somebody who's been just doing it for a little while professionally, although she's had a little bit longer ramp up. 
uh, before she went pro and how she decided to go pro and all that other stuff that goes with it. So let's jump right now into a fun interview with Sandy Joy Chadwick. I'm here with Sandy Joy via Skype. How's it going, Sandy? Woo, I'm excited to be here. Super happy. Well, cool. You know, it, I was trying to think of when I first met you. It was probably two years ago or was it longer than that? I think it was just two years ago at okay. the CCA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at the Christian Comedy Association Conference in Atlanta last last year, the year before this last one. Yes. Very good. And you come all the way from Philly area? Where are you at up there? Yeah, I'm about 45 minutes outside of Philly, but you know, it's one of those towns where you say the name of your town and no one has any idea what you're talking about. So you just say, about 45 minutes outside of Philly. Now, how much was... of the Philly attitude carries out 45 minutes from there? Um... <laughs> Well, it depends on it depends where you're walking around in the neighborhood, and and actually it depends on. I mean, I I can Philly out on people. I can do it. Right. You know, if somebody really gets them, I try really hard. You know, Jesus has helped uh, to save me from my Philly attitude, but sometimes it still sneaks out there. Yeah, we've all got it in us. It's just yeah, right. <laughs> whether you let it out or not. I, That's right. Well, cool. Now you've been doing stand up for a while. I'm going to try to go back a little bit, then catch up to where we are now, but. How long ago did you start? Let's, let's start when you first started. Did, did you know you wanted to do stand-up, or did it evolve out of something else? No, it, um, I didn't. You know, I was, uh, looking back, I was always, like, funny, which I didn't realize until I started doing stand-up comedy and started kind of looking back at my life and going, oh, that's why I always got the comedy roles in all of the musicals and the plays, because I had a sense of comedic timing. Um, but how it started, I was a singer for a, a long time, and uh, was very identified with that. I was a person who led worship at my church. For those of you who don't know what that means, that just the short version of that is someone who kind of leads the singing at church, and sometimes it's alone, sometimes with the, it's with a band. I did that for a long time, and then I lost my voice to uh, vocal nodules. Oh, and I wow. Went, yeah, and I wasn't able to sing for six months. And um, yeah, so that was, uh, I realized how wrapped up I was in my voice at that point in time and said, wow, this is, uh, this is not fun. And then uh, got my voice back and then lost it again. Oh, no. And uh, so uh, at that time, our associate pastor, who's a friend of mine, uh, and she'd seen me do some uh, teachings for like women's ministry, little, just little things. And she said to me, you should be a stand-up com- a com- comedian. You're so funny. And I said, well, I'm just like funny in the moment. You know, like I like riff off of people. She's like, yeah, what if you wrote all those moments down and then just recreated them on stage? Isn't that what a stand-up comedian does? (laughs) Like, she's so sassy. So um, I don't know why. It just struck a chord with me. And so since I couldn't sing, I thought, well, let me see if there's something in this. So it started going well. And I was like, this is fun. I like doing this. I like making people laugh. Um, So so that's how I started. That's cool. So did... Were your first opportunities then in the church to to be funny? Or did you go to the comedy clubs or open mics? What? Oh no, I didn't even. You know, I did. <laughs> I just look at it and like for like a comedian's comedian, I've done everything wrong. <laughs> like basically, well, not wrong. Just the, it's the way that the journey unfolded for me. But I uh, no, I the first couple things I did were in the church, and then um, for our women's group, you know, just kind of try it out, and then. And then you kind of feel like, well, they kind of have to laugh at you, uh-huh. you know, they're like your friends. So, so I, um, I had to go and see if, uh, I could maybe do this outside of just my church. 
So I remember my first gig, I got hired. It was a women's Christmas tea at another church. I made 35 bucks and I was so excited. I'm oh, like, yeah. people are going to pay me to do this? Are you kidding me? This is amazing. Um, so then I did that for a while. And then I did eventually decide I needed to go out and, and see if I could do this at a club and and not have people just sit there and stare at me. And how did it go? Does, does some of the jokes work and some just not work at all? Or I mean, it's, well, it's well, different. It's, no, it's completely different. And um, my <laughs> my goal was to basically go remember my material and not get sick on stage. Like that's yeah. that was my goal. Like I, I wasn't even about if people laughed or not. So uh, I went. I was the only clean comedian there. I was also the only woman there. I'm sorry, there were two clean comedians, and I was the only female. Uh, and it was my first time in a, in a club. Uh, but I was happy with how I did. I thought it went well. Didn't know that it was there were judges that were going to be there that night. So that was added to my terror as I was there. <laughs> like you found it right before you got on stage. Judging. <laughs> I'm like, oh, they're judging. Fantastic. Um, but it was a good experience. And um, the feedback I got from the judges was good. And uh, they said, you know, you um, your, your comedy is very intelligent, which, which may be not the best thing for this environment when people have had four five six drinks like you know like you're giving them a and c and like and they have to kind of you know Uh, figure figure it out a little bit but they liked what i did and i had a comedian um rob minor his name is and came up and said to me you know you can always learn how to write better jokes but but no one can teach you to have stage presence and you have great stage presence and so i took that with me and kept that, and I said, "Okay, I can get better as a writer." Yeah. Um, so that stage presence came probably came from being on in front of the church yeah, so much, from, leading praise and being fearless. Yeah, and from I mean, I stepped on stage for the first time when I was nine years old. So I always loved being on stage and being a character. Always loved getting laughs. So I, it was never I I don't have that kind of fear. So right. and I almost think too, like to me at least, singing in front of people is more fearful than talking in front of people because if they don't like what you're singing. That really means they don't like your voice, right? <laughs> yeah. Right, but but they don't like your jokes. You just go write another joke, right? You're you, just like you can't change your voice overnight. I mean, you can evolve and get better, but if it's if it's you know not that great to start with, it's <laughs> going to be a longer journey. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, all those years of being fearless in front singing. I mean, if you just look at your jokes as little miniature songs, and you got to make each one hit the spot. Just, That's true. That's well, and and just like singing, like. I mean, I don't like every style of music and I don't enjoy every style of voice. And so I don't expect that everyone is going to like my comedy because it's not going to be for everybody. That's why there's so many of us. That's why there's a, an open field because, you know, we each have our own unique voice and we bring what we bring. So um, so I'm, I, I don't have to have everybody like me. That's, you know, and, that's a, a wise stance to have you know i can't remember i think it was mike hickman when i interviewed him a while back said he started getting better the moment he stopped caring if the audience liked him or not yeah i want them well and it's it's uh for me it's different like i would rather i'm so needy you know aren't we all yeah i would rather they like me and if they don't like my comedy i'll get over it you know what i mean like but i i was just saying to another comedian last night one of one of my like my secret weapon as a comedian when I get in front of an audience, I always assume that they like me because I've given them n- no reason not to. And I come out liking them. I'm excited to be there with them. And it's a privilege for me to be there. So I, I don't feel like I'm trying to like, I'm trying to win you over. I just feel like 
hey, I like you. You like me. We're friends. Let's have a great time together. Um, and so, so that's really helped me. No, that's good. It kind of sets everybody on the same playing field when you start out. And yeah. There's no tension there if you're all buddies. Yeah, we're all friends. We're that's, all friends here. Except for that guy in the back, but no. There's always that one guy. There's always, <laughs> there's always that guy who's just staring. Like, yeah, they're just... <laughs> I'm, a, I'm asleep with my eyes open. This couldn't be yeah. more of a waste of my time. And you look at the guy and you're like, no, this is probably the best thing that's happened to you in a week. I'm look, <laughs> there's no other place you should be right now. Where are you going to go? Look at you. <laughs> look at you in your members-only jacket. It's not 1984. <laughs> this is great. Step into the 2000s. <laughs> no, but you know, well, and it's funny because I have been a teacher um, as a profession and also... Um, spend a lot of time uh, with youth groups. And so I- I'm used to that you blank stare, like, go ahead, make me laugh, make me feel anything. I'm like, whatever, I'll focus on you for a few seconds. But then if there's 90 other people in the room that are enjoying themselves, then I'm going to play to them and just assume that this isn't for you. And so you just take a little whatever, take a little siesta back there until the next comedian comes on and maybe they'll have what you're looking for. So yeah, my wife calls calls it going to your happy place. Just stare at the wall and go to your happy place. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes a guy's just going to his happy place. <laughs> uh, so was teaching your last formal job before you jumped full time into comedy? No, my last formal job, um, I spent 10 years working as an optician uh, for Walmart in one of their vision centers. And, uh, yeah. And, and you were actually in some Walmart commercials, weren't you? Yes, I was. I was, it was great. It was just crazy the way the whole thing unfolded. Tell me I, about that a little bit. Yeah. I, um, I went to a stand-up comedy workshop with Judy Carter at the Gotham in New York City. Um, I'd never gone to New York by myself. So even that was like huge for me cause I was really nervous about that. Um, so I went there and took this amazing workshop on stand-up and speaking. And, uh, you know, it had you kind of list your credentials. And it said, ever won any major awards? No. Ever been on TV? No. Ever. And there was this whole list of things. And so by the time I got to the end of the list, I was just like, you're a complete failure. <laughs> you're never going to succeed in this business. Like, no, you, you have like nothing. You literally have nothing. That was in March. Um, Walmart decided to run a, uh, an associate talent contest among their millions of associates all over the world. And uh, so they put out a message about it, and I ignored it. And my boss, God bless her, Kathy Bubernack, if you're listening, said, you should enter this. You're so good. You're so good. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to win. They're not going to pick me. I don't know how to put it. I had no idea how to put a video clip on YouTube. None. Uh, so went away for the weekend, came back, and they had extended the deadline. And it was like, <laughs> seriously, it was like God smacked me in the head in the kindest of ways and was like, are you kidding me? Look look at this opportunity. Not everybody in the world is getting this opportunity. You're getting a unique opportunity because you work for Walmart. So I spent four hours trying to figure out how to upload a two-and-a-half-minute clip to YouTube oh, so wow. that I could send my clip. Um Long story short, I made it to the semifinal round, and then there was uh, some Facebook voting involved, and uh, and then it was going to go to a panel, I guess, of of ten within the you know higher up in the in the um, corporation. And I remember I was outside washing my car, and my phone rang, and I picked it up, and my boss just said, "You won," and I saw like I am a crier. I cry as hard as I laugh, so I was hysterically sobbing. And what that meant was that I got a chance to go to um, their shareholders week, 
which takes place in the Bud Walton Arena, which seats like 20,000. And so in front of about five, 6,000 of my peers, um, I was chosen, um, I'm sorry, there were winners international, there were six winners I won for the U.S. And I got to go and perform. And I'm standing on stage in the same spot where Elton John has just performed the night before. And I'm just Sweet. having pretty much an out-of-body experience going, oh, look, there's, there's, um, there's Tom Cruise and there's Kelly Clarkson coming on. Hey, Kelly, great job. Love your voice. I'm just backstage freaking out seeing all these people. But um, They had Tom Cruise at the Walmart meeting? Yeah, he was there. Hugh Jackman was there. Um, but, you know, you don't, you're not like schmoozing with it. You know, you're yeah. backstage, but you're not, you know, you don't look at them. You just pretend that they're, they're not even there. So um, That's pretty wild. Yeah, but it was an amazing experience. And I, the, the fact that I even got an opportunity to go out and do um, comedy in that arena in front of all those people was amazing. And then I got a chance to, uh, before I did that, they had asked me for more clips, I guess, just to make sure I really was clean and that they could trust me on stage to not, and to do my time and not be like, I'm on stage now. I'm going to do 20 minutes. They said, you have three and a half minutes. I was like, cool. I will make that the best three and a half minutes of my life. Right. And, uh, they saw my other clips and called me and said, Hey, uh, the senior VP from marketing just happened to walk by and um, saw your clips and wants to know if you want to shoot a commercial. <laughs> like, hold on, hold on. Let me think about that. I'll, I'll get back to you. I'll, I'll, let me have my agent call your people. No, I was like, yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I got to shoot four um, national commercials for Walmart. Man, watch out for falling opportunities. Yeah, for real. So I went from that workshop where, like, have you ever been on national TV? Literally, like, just a couple months before, so now I've won an international uh, national TV and I'd won a national award for Walmart. And the most exciting thing for me out of all of that was um, the VP. Uh, her name is Giselle Ruiz. She happened to sit down in front of me um, before we were supposed to go up and she'd already spoken. And I'm just sitting there going, oh, my gosh, I still can't believe I'm here. She turns around and recognizes me. I haven't performed yet. And she's like, oh, I saw your video. I voted for you. I loved you. I dissolved into a puddle of tears. Oh. <laughs> like, so for me, that was a real highlight, even more than being in front, like to have someone that far up in the company say, hey, I voted for you. Like, it just, it really meant a lot to me. So I know people badmouth Walmart and there's no perfect company, but uh, for me, uh, it, I had a very good experience working there. And when I left, it was not because I had bad feelings. It was because I felt like I was supposed to leave to um, go into comedy full time. So and here we are. From the vision department. You almost yes. didn't see the vision of the <laughs> talent show <laughs> yeah, right. to the point where you saw the vision of leaving Walmart onto bigger and better things as a stand-up. Right, right. So your, your hindsight's twenty twenty. For real. Yeah, my hindsight is great. My hindsight's amazing. And so what year was that when you said, okay, see you Walmart, going to hit the stand-up? That was, uh, I gave my notice uh, in September of 2014, stayed through the end of the year, which was my intention. I wanted to give them a chance to um, train somebody else. And then as of January 1st, 2015, um, off we went. <laughs> so, so pretty recently, really, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, it is very recent. And I, I, I have to keep reminding myself of that when I'm like, oh, I should be further along. I should be this. I should be that. Um, it's hard, especially with social media. You see stuff that other people are doing, and and um, 
always like pushing myself like, oh, I need to do this and oh, my website. And it's just hard to prioritize. Like what is the most important thing right now? Because it all seems important. Would you say that's the biggest struggle right now is just trying to figure out where to spend the time and what's going to get you the biggest return for your minutes of the day? Exactly. Exactly. Is there a specific thing within that though that you keep struggling with? Like, man, I just cannot figure out this piece of the puzzle. I so- think for, for me, uh, because because I'm um, older, <laughs> we'll say it that way. We're, we're both in the advanced stages of youth. <laughs> we're in the advanced stages of youth, exactly. Um, I feel like I'm a lot more technically savvy than some of the, my friends my age. Like I enjoy using, you know, Instagram and Facebook, Twitter, not so much, but I'm on there because you're supposed to be and Snapchat. I mess around with once in a while, but, but in terms of like, I don't know how to write code and do things like that. And so trying to, um, trying to get a website, I have a website, but it's, it needs a lot of work. And so, um, but that's not something that I can do, but to pay somebody right now, you know, it's that whole struggle of like, where do I invest what I have, you know, invest a little here or do I invest a little in like five different eggs or do I just like chuck it all into the one big egg and, and do it that way? Yeah. Yeah. Farming up the website, just somebody can knock it out quicker. And so you can just get back to writing or, you know, creating the next thing that like your, your mental creativity is the only thing you can't farm out. Yes, exactly. Oh, that's good. I'm going to write that down. Write it down and send it to me because I'll probably <laughs> yeah, forget. Write it. Your mental creativity is something you cannot farm out. That's good. Um, what What were some of the toughest things besides the where to put your time when you went full time into comedy? Um, you know, that first, it's really just 19, 20 months ago or whatever. But, you know, that first January where you're like, okay, I'm not going to Walmart today. What was your, like, how many, yeah. how many bookings did you have on the books? Like, were, were you scared for your income tell me about the the mental i I feel like i i had had um and just so people who are listening know like i didn't just say i feel like this is the time to quit and then walked off my job i don't recommend doing that um for me uh i i kind of had this one thing as i wrote down i journal a lot and so i wrote down one day like what is keeping me at walmart and i wrote down this one thing and then I kind of had to say, well, like, okay, well, God, you're bigger than that one thing. So um, I'm going to trust you. And then literally 10 days later, my boss called me and that one thing was going to be disappearing. It was not going to be there anymore. And I went, oh, okay. So I had a conversation with uh, some people that are close to me that I trust, um, and including my husband. And he said, um, and he's never said this. We've always, you know, both worked um, and, and he looked at me and he said, um, this is the time. If you're going to make this work full time, this is the time to do it. Both of my kids were out of school. Um, our, you know, our parents are relatively healthy. Um, and, and so this was, this was the window. And so um, we, because we, it wasn't just I, we took the plunge. So I feel like it's a little different because, um, and we've made choices to like live more simply and, you know, like we don't have... You know, like if you look at my TV set or you know, there's no trim in my bathroom, you know, there's just like things that are like, yeah, we can live without that, you right. know. Um, so it definitely involves, you know, making some sacrifices as well. But, um, yeah, I could not do this without the support like of my family and especially my husband. He really believes in what I'm doing. And and um, so, you know, I'm I'm trying to 
I'm trying to not just look at success as, you know, well, once I fully replace my Walmart income, I'll be successful because that has not happened yet. But um, so learning how I define success and what that looks like for me and for us as a family. And and I made a deal with him because I worried a lot in the beginning. I worried a lot about the financial piece. And I finally looked at him and said, I, this is so counterproductive for me. If you need me, if the time comes when we're just not going to make it and, and I have to go back and, and you know, I, I've tried everything I can tr- try and it's just not working, I'm going to trust you to tell me that, that, that it's time for me to go back. And that has not happened. And it just keeps growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. And I still, it's amazing to me. It's just, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't think, it's one of the, I, I'm with you. It's like every day you're like, I still get to do this. And I guess yeah. there's more opportunities. And even even in times where it seems, you know, it might go six or seven or ten days where you're not getting any phone calls or an email that seems like it's going to lead to something, uh, you can always double down and work on the business side of things. But, it, you know, you can always see it growing long term. It's, it's, you got to really have that big picture. Yeah, you have to step back. Yep. Short term will kill you if you're looking at just the next month or the next six weeks or whatever. You know, sometimes you got to really think about the long term journey. And it sounds like you get the family support behind that. So that's excellent. Well, and I think I'm finding ways also, um, my dad is an entertainer, so I've kind of grown up around this. Um, what did he do? He, uh, he plays a theater organ and he plays behind old silent movies. And there was a time that, um, he and his wife had a vaudeville show. So they played all these characters and they had, a just all, all this crazy stuff. So I kind of come by this definitely through my dad. Um, but I've watched him over the course of his life reinvent himself over and over and over and over again. So I've, I'm learning that that's not, that doesn't have to be a scary thing. Like, you know, that's an exciting thing. And so even now I'm looking and saying, um, I'm trying to be smart about, you know, cause your big gigs are usually on the weekends, you know, um, but during the, what can I do during the week? And I fell into it about a year ago doing, um, you know, senior living facilities and because I have the music background and other things, I'm able to go in and do, um, I packaged it as a, a show. So I do 20 minutes of stand-up. I do 20 minutes of what I call is what's your story? Or basically it's like crowd work, uh-huh. but I have specific questions I'm asking them and getting answers and then just cracking jokes in the moment with them and, and making them feel like they're the stars of the show right. instead of the, that it's all about me. And then the last 20 minutes, um, I'll go to the piano because most of these facilities have a piano or I can take a keyboard with me and I love the music of their era so I'll play and, and sing with them and and that's how we do it so it's like 45 minutes to an hour depending on what they're looking for so that during the middle of the week when I'm not going to have a, a, a gig anyway that is an awesome opportunity for me and 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 I just love loving on people so it's it it's a win-win as far as I'm concerned that's cool and do you know why a lot of senior living facilities have pianos no, I, no, but I'm, I'm ready with my rim shot. I'm ready with my rim shot. Because so many of their clients are organ donors. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just try, what, I, what I try to do every episode is make more people not listen to my podcast. So I just lost about 60 people there. I got to thin down the bandwidth people to make this thing work. <laughs> Sorry. I, just, I, saw it. I saw the look in your eyes for people who are listening. Yeah. It's a little, I saw that joke coming. I, I saw like, that. Listen to this big flopper coming this way. <laughs> throw the sucker right on out. <laughs> hey, I'm not afraid to throw out a loser. 
There you go. Uh, you have so much good stuff. You don't need to even worry about it. Well, thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> let me ask you about this. Uh, you know, I've left all my podcasts kind of open-ended. I just kind of follow where it goes. But I, I do want to start having questions that I ask everybody as they come on. So what can you give me one of your coolest moments as a stand-up? You know, um, the Walmart stuff's going to be hard to top, I, I would say. But, you know, somewhere where you least expected it, a moment you're like, well, that was really awesome. Yeah, uh, well, I'll, this is the first one that comes to mind. Now, the, I mean, the Walmart thing in terms of sheer volume of people is, you know, is just amazing. But um, I, I don't, there, there's a couple that come to mind, but I'll, I'll share this one on a women's breakfast that I did uh, last September. Um, a woman came up to me afterwards because I had, I had lost someone very special to me um, last, uh, last March. And so I, 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 a lot of times what I do with women's groups is I go in and I do about a half an hour comedy and then like 15 minutes of, you know, like an, uh, inspirational teaching or an encouragement. And so I, I talked about that during that time and, you know, and a woman came up to me afterwards and she said, um, you know, I'm a widow. I lost my husband. And she said, I don't remember the last time I laughed this hard, you know? And so just, just that, um, that and also people that you people that you make a judgment call like the one of the smallest shows I ever had was 12 people and they were right there and the, the, the a woman in the front row she came in and she was all like dressed to the you know to the nines and I thought this woman is going to hate me I, I instantly thought that and, and she was a little chilly at first and then I, during, during the set, I asked about, does anyone have teenagers? And, and I heard her go, oh, three teenage boys. <laughs> and so I took a huge risk and I walked over to her and I sat on her lap and pulled her head into my shoulder and cradled her, <laughs> stroked her hair. And I said, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Well, the room cracked up. She cracked up. And I realized, you know, don't, that's the whole, don't judge a book by its cover. But that, and that was a really great moment for me because I felt I feel like I'm good about sensing that kind of stuff in the moment. And I felt like that that was going to be a safe thing to do. Uh-huh. Now, had I been wrong, I don't know what I would have done. I don't know how I would have recovered from that. But. Yeah. That's funny. Well, all the, all the good fruits out on the limb. You know, they say, yeah, so right. You got to walk out there. Yeah, so, you gotta... Sometimes the branch cracks. And you fall to your death. But, you know, whatever. You still get the fruit because the whole branch cracked. Now you got a lot of fruit on the ground. Yes. And a uh, black eye and a couple broken bones, but you know, whatever. It's that's fine. right. It's a comedy is an ugly business sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, another question I want to start asking people is: I think every comedian, every performer, really in any kind of entertainment, I think you know they've got skills, they've got talents, but they also have at least at least a plus one unique quality. You know, like um, whether it be being able to think in the moment with the crowd or, or bring in a certain level thing. If you had to describe like one thing that you could add to a show that maybe not every stand-up does or can, what would your unique plus one be? I, hmm. Well, I feel like, I mean, I bring my singing in, into my act kind of as a surprise, but I know there's other people that don't, that do that. I don't do like full on parody songs. I, this is a weird thing to say, but I feel like the, the, the best thing that I bring is, is an ability to build a rapport with an audience that, um, and and probably because that's my goal for my shows too. Is I want I want everyone I want to build a sense of community in the room. 
You know what I mean? So it's not like, you know, 200 individual people, like it's like building a community and we're, we're all together and there's like this exchange, um, not, and it's not necessarily verbal. I don't really know how to describe it. Cause it's not like I want people yelling back and forth to me my entire show. Like that's, right. <laughs> that's kind of, you know, but I'd say that that that's become my, my priority is, is the rapport. And I've, and I've gotten that comment from people many, many times that, wow, we just like, you built such a connection with us. Um, so I think that's maybe something that's unique about me because I've heard some comedians and I think it, it may have been you say like they, they like to go into a room and just, you know, have not see the people have, have it be dark and maybe no, it probably wasn't you it was. anyway. That keeping the room light the whole time? Yeah, like that doesn't bother me. I actually like being able to see people's faces. At, but but that's because I haven't really kind of come up through, you know, a club scenario. Yeah, so. I like to see every single person, you know. The- okay, then, all right, me too. But I do a lot of stuff with my face. And so if I'm in, if I'm dark, then they miss that. Yeah. Well, cool. So what, what's on the immediate horizon for Sandy Joy? Um, I have a K-Love Single Moms event. Single Moms, I mean, talk about exhausted and just needing a break and needing to laugh and have some fun. So, And uh, yeah, I got a couple of things in Atlanta and then stuff up here. I have a women's conference. I have a, uh, for for my church, um, doing a fundraiser for um, justice um, called Freedom Nights. I'm going to be doing that with my buddy Al Smith. Uh, we do a lot of stuff together because he's local and we get along. So <laughs> that's always a plus. You're the only person I know that can get along with Al Smith. <laughs> we can say that because he doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> Except now he will. Get, I'm going to get get the word get back su- to him. Going to get such heat for this. Yeah, I got to say, what I, I just wanted to throw this out. Like um, for me um, and for comedians out there that are listening. I operated in isolation for nine years. I did not know any other stand-up comedians, other than you know people I would run into. But most of the stuff that I was doing, I was doing shows on my own, getting hired on my own. I did not even know that there was a Christian Comedy Association or a Gospel Comedy Association. And so uh, two years ago was my first introduction to both of those. And I cannot say enough about investing in yourself by investing in going to a, a conference or, you know, if it's not that a, a comedy, like you have to spend money on yourself to get better at your craft and also to make connections. I was, I was, I did not realize how lonely I was because as a musician and I know a ton of musicians, I can talk shop all day long with the musician, musicians that I know, but I didn't really know any other comedians. And so, um, just for the friendships alone, that has been so invaluable to me. And, and um, really, really wanting to find a mentor. That was my goal the first year that I came out. And um, God put K. Dodd Stokes in my path. I'm not going to cry. No, I'm not crying. There's no crying in no, podcasts. There's no crying in podcasts. No crying in podcasts. I would just edit it out if there was. <laughs> yeah, right. So just edit that out. But um, yeah, finding people that I click with. And, and it's just been such a giving um, experience, giving association, the stuff that I'm learning from you through your podcast, through, through supporting, you know, through Patreon. I'll tell you what, that homework is like the best thing that's happened to me this year. So there's a plug. No, I'm serious. I'm serious. I mean, I listen to the podcast, but knowing that there's going to be homework because of the level that I'm at, um, in support 
it, it's good. I need something. I need that. And that's really helping me to grow. And, and because of that, because of the homework I just did, like putting together an elevator pitch, now I can write a one sheet because I've already done the work for what needs to go on the one sheet. So it's all, it's all making sense to me now. Well, that's cool. That's been a fun thing for me too, is networking with the people on the, the Google Hangouts. And oh, I love it. Too. Love it. It's a very, uh, it's a very broad range of Diverse. people and across the whole country. And it's been real fun. In fact, we've got that coming up again Saturday. So, and thanks for the support to you and everybody else that's helping oh, through Patreons it. kept this thing alive. So it's been great. The, the whole thing has been cool. And it's been cool to watch your journey as you go. I know you're on Instagram. It's Sandy Joyful, right? Mm-hmm. That website that we were talking about earlier. I know it's in progress, but if you want people to go there and check you out, where should they go? They can. It's uh, Sandy, S-A-N-D-I. I spell my name with an I, not a Y. You'll never find me. SandyJoyComedy.com. Well, Sandy, thanks a lot for taking time today to join us and uh, everybody out there listening. You know, she's almost two years in and uh, still doing things, still work in progress, but making some success and some strides. So congratulations on that. Thank and I'm sure you. we'll check back with you down the road a little bit and see what's new in the future a couple of years down the road. Woohoo! Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Peace out, Philly. <laughs> See y'all later. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed that fun interview. I told you it's going to be fun with Sandy Joy. Uh, quite a journey she's had from working in the Vision Center at Walmart to performing for the Walmart uh, shareholders down there in Arkansas and seeing Tom Cruise around the corner, all the way to doing shows like she's doing for K Love up in Philly and all these other great events she's doing. So, really interesting to kind of get to know her better. I've known her for a while, but. Hadn't had that much time just to sit down one-on-one and talk about her journey, and I learned a few things there. And Very, very cool story, and I'm going to keep keep tabs on Sandy and see where she takes her comedy from here on out. If you want to find out more about Sandy Joy, you can find her on uh, Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash Sandy Joy Chadwick, Sandy with an I, Joy with a J, Chadwick, C-H-A-D-W-I-C-K. You can find her on Instagram. You can find her uh, there at Sandy Joyful. S-A-N-D-I-J-O-Y-F-U-L. She's on LinkedIn. She's all over the place. I'll have all this in the show notes. And, of course, her own website, sandyjoycomedy.com. Last but not least, before I let you go today, if you've been thinking about taking the online class, there is that coupon code floating around for just the month of September. It's 20POD20. That will get you 20% off of any online class. Usually that's just a 20% off of the silver edition, but this will go across the board for any of the classes, diamond, gold, you name it. 20 pod 20, use that coupon code at checkout. Uh, feel free to email me if you have any questions about that. School of laughs at gmail.com. And I guess that's all I have for you today. Don't forget Google Hangout this Saturday, 1 to 2 Central, and the Business of Comedy class this Sunday, 1 to 4 p.m. Thanks again, guys. I appreciate you listening. Stay safe out there and stay funny. For listening to the School of Laughs podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Laughs podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit SchoolofLaughs.com. Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay funny.